Welcome to the UK Consult Weekly Podcast with Jonathan Bradley and Elton Daddo, engagement practitioners and general consultation superheroes at Bang the Table in the UK. Welcome to week two of Jono and Elk's weekly ramble through all things community engagement and public consultation. Jono, I know we left a really, really good cliffhanger last week around football fan engagement, and I promised to diligently follow this up. Um, and I did indeed do that, and I did some research into it from a football kind of fan perspective. Um, and I understand that one supporter has developed a method to judge how each of English football's professional clubs rank in terms of fan engagement with a view to bringing about better accountability to how clubs engage with fans and actually to clarify what good engagement is and sharing best practice. I mean, this guy actually shares our values. I mean, if he ever wants a job at Bang the Table, I think we should get in contact with him. Um, But basically what they did was the Fan Engagement Index awarded points to clubs who were in England's top four divisions last season based on how they communicate with supporters, how fans help with the club's governance and the transparency of supporter meetings. Now, who do you think topped the table out of the four divisions? It's Man United. (laughs) It's it's not Man United, no. I will reveal Man United's position. Brentford. No, it begins with E. Oh, it's a top club. Is it a top club? No, 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 it's not. No. Eversham. No, it's Exeter City, so they topped the table. Now, there was also, there was only one Premier League team that was ranked in the top 10. Who do you reckon they were? And it wasn't Man United. I can't just keep saying Man United. No one one will listen to the podcast. Uh, Premier team, Sheffield United. No, it was Norwich City. And what do you think they might have had in common? Delia. (laughs) Delia, yeah, it was all about cooking. So it's cooking engagement. Now, they are two of only eight clubs who do three types of face-to-face engagement. So that's fans forums, one-to-one relationships with supporters um, and their trusts, and then fan liaison meetings. So um, sorry to bang on about Man United, but we finished 49th. Now, I, if I was going to defend Man United, I'd say it's because they've got an overwhelmingly high number of fans to try and engage with. So that might be the reason. Um, the bottom of those 92 clubs that were surveyed was Swindon Town. Oh. Um, and the guy who wrote the article said that the reason Norwich do so well is because they have, and this is, I really like this expression, hardwired fan engagement. Oh, I like so, that. Yeah, yeah, hardwired engagement. I think that could be that could be something we can definitely bring into to what we do as well. Um, they've got hardwired engagement into the way they run the club, and that's why clubs perform well because they weave it into everything they do, kind of like we we obviously look to do with our clients as well. Um, so that was my that was my findings on fan engagement. I might do a little just, digging just, around. Sorry, just Elton, about how 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 that happens now as the as the football league gets back into um, you know into some sort of um, you know route back to playing football on a regular basis let's just say that and then yeah how you carry on that that fan engagement we can't even go to the stadiums yeah yeah so how is that actually a lot of that is going to have to switch to not like many things it's going to have to switch to online methodologies and a lot of those will stick as well so if yeah. you take if you take like a you know if, if, if we if we're allowed to mention man city you know 
that, that, that with all those followers across the world, the only way to engage um, at, at that sort of higher hardwired level will be to um, adopt some form of you know comprehensive online engagement. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And even even thinking in terms of our CEO, and I know you said we can't we can't mention Man City, but Leeds United. I mean, you'd imagine it's quite straightforward for them to develop a really really cohesive strategy around this with so few fans um but i'm sure, I'm sure our ceo won't won't necessarily listen to our podcasts um and if he does then it might be the last one we ever do yeah, um, now um, can i just actually say elson how diligent you've been to go out there and find out some of the facts about fan engagement it's really interesting researching it, and I'd like to kind of extrapolate that across other sports as well, because as we know, the cricket season would normally be upon us at this time, yeah. and everyone would be descending on lords. Athletics, um, that'd be... Athletics, yeah, yeah. I mean, it's applicable to absolutely every every sport, and they've still got a duty of care to, to support us, to keep them involved in, you know, really important decision-making around what happens within the clubs and the communities. So, yeah, I'm going to keep looking into it further. I can see you being bang the table's head of sport engagement. Yeah, well, that sounds pretty good. Um, yeah, well, actually, I wouldn't mind if our CEO was listening to this now because I might take my career in that direction at some point. <laughs> Brilliant. Um, so in terms of emerging trends and themes, what's happened in your world this week? Um, I think what I'm seeing, and I don't know if we picked up on this last week maybe we started the conversation but there's a real desire um, for people working within organizations to get get back into having conversations get back into engagement get back into consultation um, and 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 that's really manifesting itself in how do we do what we used to do um, in a clever way yeah. in a good practice way how do we do those things now um online and i think that's just growing and growing and growing in interest um it's probably going to be something we talk about every every week for the foreseeable future so you know how do you how do you do deliberative workshops online how do you do um, in-depth face-to-face meetings with your key stakeholders online you know all of those things i think there's a real appetite for it and and for our clients who are doing that in practice already is is they're seeing the power of stories, the, the power of discussion forums, but also that sort of anecdotal, contextual information that you get from people when they're sort of given the capability to talk online. So the response from residents and cit- citizens as well is, yeah. is is really encouraging. I think that's probably that's probably one of the main things. Yeah, and I've I've um, been speaking. We're fortunate enough to work with some really really good consultants around the UK and I've heard a lot of positive steps have been made by housing associations to really harness the power of digital engagement to maintain connectedness with their residents and really really to keep them involved in ongoing decision making during the sort of massive period of uncertainty that we're we're currently in and so that's one thread that's come out and I've also heard um, quite a lot around community cohesion and recovery yeah so yeah so you know that what, making sure communities can come together and recover together and do that through conversation and dialogue and engagement i guess is that what what you're thinking 
Yeah, yeah. And I'm thinking in terms of like cohesion, it's something that should always be encouraged and should always be there, not just in the light of, you know, a massive crisis or something like that. And the recovery piece is, is really interesting because I think that does allude more to obviously recovering from like whether it's a financial crash or coronavirus and then how that world looks after that um, and how communities work together then to put in place um, a lot of things to, to improve improve their lives. Yeah, no, no, definitely. And that makes me think about one of the things that we try to create online is this sense that, you know, come together as a community and we'll look after you. So, yeah. you know, we've been sharing articles on LinkedIn about the importance of privacy and data security. And yeah. I think the difference now here is that we're, we're saying to members of the public and communities out there, come and, come and have your say on, on these important issues around the future of your town and your neighborhood and all of those sorts of things. But, you know, it's the same as coming to a, a town hall or a conference center or something like that. You know, we will look after you. Personal information is secure. You won't be harassed, all of those sorts of things. You know, it's like having a garden wall around, around the conversation. You know, you, you are protected. And I think these the, the safe, the safe places for public discourse, which we talk about quite a lot too are now sort of manifesting themselves and, and people are saying you know we, we, we really need to provide these reassurances if we're going to have these good conversations yeah definitely I mean if that garden wall is it a rose garden because they're not always that safe um, <laughs> as, as I understand it a rose garden can be um, a place of conflict but <laughs> it certainly can yeah I'm not going to go into any more detail about that no um, not, that's no politics now, we get sent through a really exciting list every week, don't we, of all new projects that have launched, in the, not just in the UK, in the US, um, Canada, New Zealand, Australia. Have you got any sort of particular project launch that you've seen this week that's been really inspiring in terms of engagement HQ usage? Oh, there's, been, there's been so many. Um, I think the one that you mentioned was really interesting. Oh, yeah, the, the Be First one. So, yeah. yeah. Um, be First is a kind of uh, regeneration company that's owned by Barking and Dagenham Council, and they launched a creative competition for children at Gascoigne Primary School in Engagement HQ to create a piece of art in response to the changes taking place in their estate. And then what they're going to do is they're going to collate all of the all of the entries and then publish them on Engagement HQ in June and announce the winner. I just thought that was a really, really simple but effective and inspiring way of using Engagement HQ to get families involved in positive activities. But yeah, I mean, there's so many different applications of, of, of the platform. It's always really interesting to see that list come through and look at the ways in which um, different people are engaging with communities. Yeah, it's good to see. I love that sort of thing. That creative use doesn't always have to be, you know, a dry con public consultation. You, you know, you, you can engage the public on a continuous uh, basis. It doesn't always have to be what, what we might call transactional. Yeah, and it kind of follows on a little bit from the, the, the one that I can't pronounce, Cheshire and Chester West, that we talked about last week, where that was also activities for children during lockdown, and they were using the ideas board, which was a completely different way of doing it. Um, but yeah, really, really a simple but effective um, application of it. Um, now, you must have had, I know you mentioned last week to, to our listeners that you're very, very grumpy. I should imagine, try and keep it to a top one if you can, but I know you've probably got 10 Meldrew, Victor Meldrew moments. I still haven't perfected the accent, so I'm not going to do that. Do you know what, Elton? 
going to surprise you here. I haven't really had a grumpy moment this week yet. Not, not one. <laughs> I, think, I think because it was a bank holiday Monday, I've not really uh, had, yeah. had time to ramp up the grumpy, the grumpy, <laughs> the grumpiness indicator. The rot sets in on a five-day week. Yeah, I haven't done enough sort of like looking around online. You know, I Google the word public consultation and then uh, you can normally find a few um, a few, uh, a few examples to set you off on your on your grumpiness tirade. But yeah, I'm feeling all right. You know, I'm quite I'm, I'm excited about the future. I feel that the people are embracing um, new ideas really well. So, yeah, if that carries on, I don't know. I, I may never I may never be grumpy again. No, this might be it. This might be it for you. You might have turned a corner. I don't think so. <laughs> but we can we can live in hope. No, but as you say, no, 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 no. you're you're like you know you're the opposite. You're a cheery guy um, on this. Oh no, no. There's something that really, really. It happened just after we recorded the last one. I almost wanted oh, to re-record it to get it in there, but I stored it up. Still on your mind. It's still on my mind. Yeah, because I think someone else commented on the post that I'd originally seen and it came back into my consciousness again this morning. So what it was is people wearing fancy dress attire on online work meetings as as a means of motivating staff to work from home. <laughs> so so these are these are people that are paid a full salary to work from home and do the, the you know the same number of hours that they would normally do in, in that situation. But they can't feel well. Maybe with the sun shining outside and all of that temptation, they can't feel that I can do a good day's work unless they dress up as Mr. Blobby and sit in front of the <laughs> something like that. So it's just I don't know. So, but that's why it's a Victor Meldrew moment because it's yeah, so necessary annoyance. Oh yeah, <laughs> way of engaging staff, and, and then there'll be like loads going. No, I don't want to do that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And so it could be counterproductive, but, but maybe that's because I was generally grumpy about fancy dress parties when I was younger as well. So I was thinking, well, in a work setting, you know, to be motivated to be paid to do your job by being in fancy dress, just I just couldn't get my head around it. <laughs> so I think, yeah, well, this this is this could be our first moment of controversy because some of our listeners may be sat in fancy dress right now. Yeah, yeah. But whereas others might be you know that yeah we fully support your grumpiness album <laughs> well i hope that those that are in fancy dress you know are we missing out you know on our on our monday morning meetings should we all be in fancy dress yeah we can give it some thought <laughs> you don't have keen <laughs> i'm going to book every monday off till the end of the year <laughs> but now, any other highlights do you know what quite excited by something because whilst we've, we've started to have really early discussions and interest uh, a sort of parliament level about how engagement can be improved with committees and things like that. I can't say much more. Um, yeah. It's sort of an emerging discussions and interests, but be great to see how that evolves. Um, yeah, definitely. Because, yeah. Like, you know, you know, you know, a lot of our work involves local government and government departments but, you know, the actual machinery of democracy starting to think about, well, you know, how do we engage now that many of our traditional methods aren't suitable? But this has been going on for a year or more because, you know, it's it's an area of interest as well in terms of how you 
open up a lot of the parliamentary committees to effective online participation and things like that. So, yeah, yeah. It'd, be, it'd be interesting to see where that goes. And a lot of the, uh, you know, if a lot of the civic tech industry is interested in this sort of thing. So that's been a bit of a highlight as well. Yeah. Brilliant. Well, mine was mainly, well, actually, it wasn't even really connected to work at all. So I saw a woodpecker on my nut feeder in the garden, and I got really excited, but I didn't manage to take a really good photo of it. And I thought, God, this must be such an unusual thing. I went on Twitter about five minutes later, and British comedy legend Adrian Edmondson (laughs) had posted a picture of a woodpecker on his nut feeder and put, there's a woodpecker on my feeder. It it felt a little bit less special then, but for the fact that I'd kind of shared the same experience with such a comedy legend. You shared the same moment. I shared the same moment with him. He just got there. He he was better off obviously taking the photo and putting it up there. Well, Um, do you know what? Talking about wildlife and um, quite an exciting moment um, in our lives uh, is um, we get a lot of slow worms in the garden. Yes, yeah. They look, yeah. Like, they look like snakes and everyone screams snake. And then other dogs like me go, oh, no, no, don't worry about it. It's actually a lizard with no legs. <laughs> but then there's a whole debate around a lizard with no legs. Surely that's just a snake. Yeah, so, but I think it's something to do with the fact they don't, obviously, they don't carry venom. So they are more, yeah, I think they're more worm-like in that sense. And just don't pick up an adder or something like that and try and get all confident. <laughs> well, actually, my son did find an adder the other day because he's been oh. hunting. He's actually going out of his way to find them. And he was over the moon when he found an adder. I always used to love when I was younger, the grass snakes. Really, really cool. But they let off a smell, don't they, as a, as a deterrent to protect themselves. A really horrible smell. And they've got the little yellow V, yellow v on the back around their neck as well, haven't they? Um, yeah, they're all right, though. I don't think they're poisonous. It's the adders that are the only poisonous ones. Maybe that's a topic for next week, wildlife engagement. Week. What does yeah, the... wild, wildlife engagement. Yeah, yeah, I've put it on the list. Yeah. Well, brilliant. Well, thanks, everyone, for tuning in. And we will, of course, be back next week. We will, won't we? Smash it. Yeah. Until next time. Until next time. Thank you for tuning in to the UK Consult. Join us for future conversations each week as we continue to explore the tremendous, meaningful and ever-evolving world of digital consultation and community engagement. You can view additional educational resources at bangthetable.com.